Welcome to the Faculty Podcast, brought to you by Reform Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. My name is Scott Redd. I'm the president here at RTS Washington. I'm joined by our academic dean and professor of New Testament, Tommy Keene, our professor of systematic theology, Grace Sutanto, our professor of New Testament, Paul Jean, professor of Old Testament and Dean of Students, Dr. Peter Lee, and we are now in our first episode of our second year. This is our 53rd episode. I should say too, since this is our first episode of our second year, we're not, I'm not just on here with all of the, with the four gents I just mentioned. I'm also on here with Timo Sazo, who is our executive producer and has had very little to say, uh, though we have egged him on uh, off camera a little bit, but has just done an excellent job over this first year of making sure we all sound good and editing these broadcasts and putting them up on SoundCloud and getting them out there. And so as we begin our second year, what we want to do is we actually want to reflect a little bit on the first year, just sort of some memorable moments uh, things that we've learned after a year of podcasting, something I don't think any of us thought knew we were going to be doing if we would have asked ourselves in the past. And in you know, January 2020, we wouldn't have known probably that we were going to be doing a weekly podcast uh, in the next year. But I want to stop and just take a moment to, yeah, reflect with these brothers back on the year that's passed. And I want to include Timo Sazo in that conversation since he's done so much of the, uh, so much of the work of making this podcast work and work so well. So let's go ahead and start off, but I'm going to start with uh, Paul Jean. Paul, give me a little bit of reflection. What, what has been the thing that kind of stands out to you over the last year? I think many of you know uh, this famous uh, story by C.S. Lewis, where he had a group of best friends. And the way the story goes is that when one of his friends died, he, C.S. Lewis, thought that he would have more of the other friends, but it turned out that he would have less of his other friends because the friend that passed away had the unique ability to bring out certain aspects of them that, you know, could no longer be triggered. And, you know, that's often taken as an example of um, like how we really see God better when we are in like diverse community of believers. And I think for me, it's been really uh, so great not just to be surrounded by like, you know, Gray and Systematics, you know, Scott, Peter, uh, you know, in Old Testament, Tommy, like in New Testament, but just you begin to see a lot of things that um, you miss, not just because of people's specialties, but because of their stories, their backgrounds. And so I, um, I've learned just a lot by listening and just being part of it. So that's something I was thinking about, you know, how you re really do learn more about God, faith, as you live in community with people, not just with different specialties, but just different backgrounds. You can actually tell that, Paul, I think when one of us is missing, I feel, I feel that like, not that when one of us is missing on the podcast, that there's been like a death in the family, but, but that it does, the, the dynamic shifts a bit and it's actually hard to kind of hit, hit that normal uh, our normal mojo. And uh, yeah, so I, I've, I felt that way too. And it kind of intersects with something I was thinking about 
um, earlier, which was you know, a favorite episode of mine was was the Mike Allen episode. I've always kind of come at the hermeneutical task of scripture with a a bit towards biblical theology, being trained by Gaffin and others. That that has always been that that redemptive historical approach has always been my bread and butter. And and kind of hearing Mike and you guys talk about the pursuit of the whole person and theological interpretation of scripture as the pursuit of, a, of, of, of wholeness and multi uh, disciplinary integration. That was super helpful to hear him say that this is, this is a part of our method, or this is a part of this approach, but also to think about like this podcast and what we're doing at RTS. Like that is, that's actually what we're pursuing. We, we're, we, we don't build our, curriculum off of like the superiority of one section or another we we are trying to produce whole pastors whole people and we ourselves are trying to cooperate and partner together to be a part of that and i've really appreciated the podcast as an extension of that as just kind of both academically and in terms of friendships an extension of of our academic relationship, our, our personal relationship, and the ability to converse with one another and, and, and bring that to bear on, on scripture. Just as a side note on that, I think um, the other thought I had related to this idea of quantity versus quality time. And I think many of our listeners like have really been exposed to this idea that what matters is not the amount of time you spend together, but the quality of that time. And while that's not entirely untrue, um, I think the sheer amount of time we have spent together has been so good. And just really seeing uh, different sides to one another, especially one another's humors, idiosyncrasies and so forth. And so I think that there's something very spiritual to just quantity time, because with that does come knowing, trusting, and in turn, that does result in more fruitful ministry. So I think often like we neglect that aspect of just being together and so. Yeah. I think also with having some kind of, um, you know, agenda where we sit down and we're talking through something, whether it's the Apostles' Creed or a topic from the previous week, there's so oftentimes in, in normal times when we're not in pandemic and lockdown where we're, we're seeing each other in the hallways, we're talking in each other's offices, there are these kind of organic gatherings uh, that come together you know, over the course of the day, but there's something also about us getting together. And I've never been in a place where we've done this before, but weekly getting together and not talking about business, not talking about, you know, something for, you know, some, something that we have to do during the day, but talking about a subject and hearing everybody's thoughts, Tommy, both to your point about wholeness and Paul, the, your point about there being almost more, uh, the sum is more than the parts yeah, you know, there is a sense in which I think when we all get together, and this isn't this is in this community, but this is also elsewhere in the church too that I've experienced it. But I've get, gotten to see it here, sort of on a weekly basis for the last year. There is something that happens. There's an addition. There's an additional aspect. There's there's five people in this conversation, and yet somehow it feels like there's more content than the five of us can put together. I, th- I think a little bit about you know in poetry when you're when you're writing in verse, people talk about how the constraint of the line brings out more creativity than you would without the constraint. Does that make sense? You know, when you, when you add like iambic pentameter or whatever that is to a poetic line, and then you make the poet stick within that form, it brings out things the poet wouldn't have otherwise said. Right. And 
I feel like something like that happens here too. When we are in this relationship, we're in this conversation. I notice more comes out than maybe would have come out from us if we had been here individually. Right. It's almost like the relational aspect of it counts as like a, a, a sixth member. Okay. Or something like that. Getting back to the point, you know, that you made Paul about from the CS Lewis quote, you know, that, that, that the group is lessened when one's not here. And, you know, you see that happen too in our staff meetings when we all gather together on Wednesdays and, and elsewhere. But that's been the real joy for me over this past year is as we've talked about issues that are either related to ethical issues of the day. I think back on last year, we were, we were kind of struggling early on to find subjects. And now it's kind of like we, you know, it, it's hard to narrow down and find a subject for each episode. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the lockdown and dealing with the lockdown and that move to I remember having that episode with Irwin Ince talking about Ahmed Arbery. And this is the week before George Floyd and being able to reflect with you all and the guests that we bring in, you know, in this weekly way has become really kind of a, a devotional aspect of the week for me. It's something that's needed. And I, I miss it when I can't participate and I miss you all when, when because of classes or travel or whatever else you can't participate, you know, it's, it's become such a central part of the week and it's made me rethink how I'm going to live life after the pandemic. You know, how do, how do we do things after the pandemic's over when we are more naturally back together? I hope we don't lose these connections. My favorite part of recording this podcast the past year had been probably the pre-podcast discussions because normally, I don't know if listeners know this, but we would talk for about 30, 45 minutes before we actually start recording. And those, those have been incredibly fun for me. And I think a kind of side hobby that I, I really love doing is actually connecting people together and also getting connections through everyone. Uh, and I've really gotten to know, you know, not only this faculty, but the broader RTS community through this podcast. And I've really appreciated that having James Anderson, Mike Allen, Scott Swain uh, here on the podcast and Nick Reed recently as well, of course. And so getting to know everyone through this podcast has been such a blessing, but also it was so great to see James Eglinton, George Herring, and all these people in the, in the Boving community kind of being brought into this podcast community as well. So it's been so good to see all these connections come together. And I, I look forward to seeing how these connections can flourish even further in the future. Yeah, I've been struck by not only, I mean, kind of the two ways in which this has worked. And, um, and to be honest, I've talked to other seminary folks too, and they've mentioned our podcast. And I say, yeah, you should totally do one too. <laughs> it's a great idea, right? Partly because it introduces you to a listenership who may or may not otherwise get to know your faculty. And as I've also noticed along the way, and a couple of people have commented to me about this, you know, Scott Swain and I were talking about this and he mentioned this aspect of it. He said, it's through these guests that we're getting to interact with a broader academic community than we otherwise might kind of, if we stayed in our own little bubbles here, right. In DC and in our own little academic communities. And so that's, that's, you're absolutely right. That's been an excellent part of this for me is getting to know other scholars who I wouldn't otherwise have met and getting to have a conversation where we get to hear them talk about their expertise. I mean, I remember being at another campus and, and we would do this it would happen maybe once a year and we'd bring in someone and hear them over lunch, talk about what they're working on. And we've gotten to do, you know, probably what, eight times, 10 times over the last year, what used to happen once a year uh, over a lunch. And it's just, it's been great. I totally agree, Scott. It, it, it's been, it's been really great to hear what's going on around us. And that, as you were just sharing, it did remind me, um, 
you know, kind of on a personal note, I, I really appreciated and, and enjoyed Julius coming out here from the Gospel Coalition just because, yeah. uh, well, first, uh, you know, just uh, just the position that the Lord put him in there at, at the Gospel Coalition during, uh, you know, I think he started right around the, when the, uh, the shutdown because of the pandemic happened. So he's already kind of uh, facing an uphill battle, but just, you know, as a close friend uh, to kind of see. Uh, how the Lord has blessed him and to be able to kind of rejoice together and remember where we used to be. And now to see how the Lord has uh, put him in such a great position and then to kind of share his thoughts on things that are going on around us. I guess for me on a personal level, that was really, that was really, really satisfying, really gratifying to see how the Lord has blessed him. Uh, Danny Olinger, as you know, I'm a big Voss guy, a Gerhardus Voss guy. And to be able to uh, bring in Danny and to hear the work that he has done on Voss and the larger contribution that he has made in biblical theology that uh, still to this day goes some, a bit underappreciated. Uh, and to, pray, put, to put him in a position where he can share that a little bit was great, you know. And, and so what you were just kind of sharing earlier, Scott, of, of kind of dialoguing with guests out there and the work that they are doing and how we can kind of tap into that. And then to uh, provide that that line of thought and work that is being done with our listening community around you uh, really was was great. I love that. The one with Danny was, if I remember right, that was one of the uh, that was one of our more popular episodes of all time, wasn't it? The episode dealing with Voss. So, yeah, absolutely, and uh, learned so much. And I know it's broadened my own understanding, even of the field, even of people like Voss, who I love to, uh, uh, who I love to read, and yet know more of their background, and all of the reasons why they did and said what they said. Well, now we're talking about our our analytics a little bit, and whenever we start doing that, we look to Timo's frame to see if we're saying it right, Timo. We've got to know, give us some reflections other than trolling us with all of our uh, ums and ahs, you know, what, what struck you about this other than the completely rigorous schedule that we force you into and all of that, what, what are some reflections about the last year? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I can troll you too much because I also have a lot of ums and ahs and does. So, but I get, I get to take them out um, <laughs> after, you know, after the podcast is recorded. So. But I think it's been nice to see how the, the podcast has evolved. So we, we started as a conversation to kind of like keep up with each other and connect with, with our student body since we couldn't see them face to face because of the pandemic. And there's still that purpose still stands, but, um, but then the conversations have kind of grown to not only talk about the, the issues of the day, but also just issues that you guys uh, or we all are interested in. And I, I just, I've enjoyed how we've, we've had guests talking about, you know, the theological interpretation of scripture or, or Voss or covenant theology. Um, I loved the episode with uh, Nancy Guthrie talking about uh, adoring Christ in all of scripture. So I, I love the, how rich the conversation can get and, and how many areas of application theology can be, you know, can go to. And yeah, I've just, I've just enjoyed listening to you guys mining, mining the scriptures and, and applying it to different, to the different areas of life. The other thing that I've been really encouraged by is 
actual people reaching out to me saying how much they've enjoyed the podcast. Um, and we don't have a huge listenership. So we're definitely not Joe Rogan or, or anyone like that. Um, but we are serving our, our audience well by providing, you know, these fun, engaging theological conversations. And to, to me, that just makes it worth, worth it, um, the, the effort, the time that we put into this. And then the third thing that I would mention is just, I've, I love working for RTS. I think it's a great place to work at. Um, and this team of, of professors is to me, um, it's just an example of like how, how great it is to, to work here. So of course, every work has its, you know, downsides and, and, and boring, um, boring moments, but seeing you guys interact, seeing how well you get along and, and seeing the product that you're, you know, putting out, it's, it's just wonderful. So I'm happy to be here and happy to contribute to the work of RTS and, and this podcast. So Timo, as you've been a part of this podcast over the last year and you're pursuing ministry yourself, how has this helped you think about how to do theology and ministry well, and it may be something we did well, and maybe something we haven't done well, and we're getting better at or trying to do better. Um, has this helped you think about your own sense of call as a minister? Yeah, I think one thing that I've seen model well in your conversations over the last year is the the idea and the importance of intellectual humility. I think it's been really cool to see experts in their fields um, have intelligent, but also humble, open, non-argumentative conversations uh, about things that they care about. Um, I think one temptation that people who want to be in ministry, people who want to be pastors, people like me, experience is that we uh, we can be a bit authoritarian just because we We've had some training, we have some familiarity with uh, biblical languages, and we've studied systematic theology and all those things, uh, is that we are not very humble as we approach others. And I think you guys modeled well how to see others as, as equal and to value other people's opinions. Ministry is um, as much about listening well, understanding in building bridges as it is about teaching and instructing in the truth. I think that's definitely one of the main takeaways for me as someone who aspires to be uh, a pastor. I, I think Timo, for me, like hearing you say that in my, like I went into pastoral ministry after seminary thinking, you know, that this is this vision of the pastor as champion, right? As Bor Boromir and Aragorn just carving through the snow so that the little hobbits could get, uh, you know, up the mountain. And that's not what pastoral ministry is. And if it, and if you try to make it that you're going to, you're going to fail. It's a, it's a partnership with your congregation. It's a partnership with your elders. It's a partnership with other pastors. And you just have to have that kind of partnering community. And the same, the same thing can happen in the academy, right? That we are we are ivory tower sort of philosophers and theologians and we work our best in isolation there's this mindset that, that can come across as in that way and both in my church and then now at rts just seeing those models being broken down and finding myself as part of this community of partners 
that mutually encourage and reinforce one another has been such such a blessing. So maybe I think maybe you're seeing partially that. And I, I do feel that that is practically transformative in ministry. When I, when I go forward thinking about my elders, not as um, minions, but as the, uh, the plurality of elders, as a, as, as a band, of, uh, band of brothers, it's just, it's, it's an enormous shift in the way we think. I'd be curious, Timo, to hear what you want us to talk about next year. Um, I'd like us to interview more people. Um, I think uh, we would do well to interview more women. I think also it'd be nice to have a series on the Ten Commandments. Sounds good. I'll tell you one thing that I've really valued uh, in our discussions over the past year has been the way that we, I don't think we, I mean, we did have one episode on the pastor scholar idea, but in many ways we sort of, uh, you know, I, I really think we tried, we have exemplified that, you know, we have shown the balance of various different subject matters and talked about it both at the academic level, as well as at the uh, level uh, of ministry. And uh, I'll tell you the more dialogue that I've done in these recent weeks and uh, with um, uh, seminary students in, in overseas, as well as in other states, the more you really realize that that is a real need. You know, our, our beloved chancellor, Legan Duncan, you know, has stressed the, the fact that, you know, we need theological education even more in our day. He's totally right. Um, you know, uh, we live in a day when we need precision and clarity uh, from uh, leaders who know how to exemplify that and, and, uh, and communicate that in a way that is digestible and meaningful and life-changing. Uh, and that's something I think I've really always appreciated uh, from this group. Even Gray, uh, who's been able, and how we've all wow. been able to, how we've all been able to uh, really be able to show that, you know, orthodoxy, divorce from orthopraxy is no good, that we need to be able to show the truth in a way that the way that the Lord revealed history is, was the way to encourage his people for, his, uh, for uh, the sake of Christ's own name. And, and, I, and that's something I've really valued uh, from our time uh, together. So, Gray, were you just accused of orth being orthodoxy without orthopraxy? That, that's, that's what it sounded like to me. I, I think I said including Gray, not excluding oh, I think you said even gray and then then you gave the parenthetical who okay just just to be clear Paul Jean land, land the plane for us well you know I was just going to say um conversation is interesting because sometimes it can be more effective than even a direct rebuke because as I sit and listen uh, to someone something that someone might say even in passing that challenges a thought or it introduces a thought I didn't have. And for some reason, I'm more receptive to it because it just came uh, indirectly. Whereas I think it's possible if someone had said, hey, Paul, you should reconsider this theologically. I wonder if like my posture would have been different. And so there's something about just dialoguing and learning through dialogue, which protects, and you know, Tommy was talking about not being siloed and. And so that's something I've been thinking a lot about because in many of our podcasts afterwards, I go read something that uh, no one said, go read this, but I just do because I was like, oh, actually, I think I need to reconsider something. So I think that's one of the values of this format from this approach. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a whole field of linguistics called pragmatics, and it, it has to do with what people presuppose in conversation and then how that gives rise to meaning. And this isn't sounds like Ventilian epistemology, but it's actually a linguistic category. And it's how you know that when someone says something like, is a window open, they're not actually asking for informational data about windows being open. They're saying it's too cold or it's drafty, right? Mm. You know, that's the idea of pragmatics. Um, and the more you think about it, the more you realize actually so much of conversation is built around those presuppositions. So as you become aware of that, you know, now kind of switching to the Vantillian side of it, I notice that the same thing you said, people will say things in conversation, Paul, and you'll hear some of, you'll hear the framework out of which they're speaking, even if it's yeah. not their main point. Sometimes the framework that's in the background is more interesting or more, more sort of formative and challenging to me than the main point that they're making, you know, and it challenges me and I grow yeah. in and that's such a big part of just human relationship and conversation. I, that, that's a really great point. Okay, are we all good? Go, oh, go ahead, Gary. I was going to say that that, that, is a, that is a pitch in itself for residential seminary education. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, where actually conversation happens. And it's not just a packaged lecture. Right. Um, that that back and forth of the subtext. Yeah, and, and if you notice that, I remember talking a lot about this eight months ago, you know, when we were three months into the lockdown and I had, you know, people were talking about zoom fatigue. I think part of zoom fatigue is your brain. It's kind of like how your eyes get tired when they start to go bad because they're straining to bring in more information. Mm -hmm. And I think part of zoom fatigue, at least for me is trying to read people in conversation when all I have is this two dimensional square. Right. right. And I'm not getting you know, it's hard to interrupt. It's hard to laugh. It's hard to kind of get all those nonverbals that help you understand what someone is saying and who they are. And so your body strains for it, like the eyes, you know, like the nearsighted eyes, you know, your body strains and it makes your eyes tired. Yeah. You no. Know? So you're right. Yeah. Being face to face and sharing the same space makes a big difference. Well, brothers, I've, I've loved this year and look forward to uh, many more after of uh, working and collaborating with all of you. As we say at the beginning of this podcast for the Ministry of the Gospel in the United States and around the world. And thanks for being a part of this. And we look forward to getting back together next week. Take care. Timo's got a face though that tells me that I'm getting I'm not saying it right. Don't you guys love Timo's face of disapproval? Like <laughs> I was I'm staring at it as I give the whole intro. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're it right. Reminds so, me of my dad. Last, last week so... was uh, 52. Okay. So if we post So I'm right. Week, okay. So you're good. So end of pause. End of end of parenthetical now. <laughs>